Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word now. Thank you, Lord, that... Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. And now, Lord, we look to hear from you, from your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, if you turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 49, verse 18. Very short verse, Genesis 49, verse 18, that we're going to be considering this morning as we, as we look at a very remarkable passage overall, but especially this verse, Genesis 49, verse 18 where we read, Jacob speaking, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. This is a remarkable statement by Jacob and really in the middle of a remarkable time in Jacob's life. I mean, the condition of Jacob when he made this statement is given to us in the first verse of the previous chapter, chapter 48, verse 1, Genesis 48, verse 1, where we read, it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick. Joseph, the ruler of Egypt, he's very busy. He's caring for the people. He's caring for the country that God has made him responsible for. He's just been told that his father Jacob is sick, and he knows what that means. Joseph knows what that means. Jacob's life has been really hard. It's taken a huge toll on him. So much so that when Pharaoh saw Jacob for the first time in the previous chapter, so again, one more chapter, go back to Genesis 47, verse 7, Genesis 47, verse 7, and read what happened here when Joseph brought his father Jacob before Pharaoh for the first time. And we read here in Genesis 47, 7, And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? Now, Jacob has brought his father Jacob in to, 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 Joseph has brought his father Jacob in to meet Pharaoh, who had been used by God to promote Joseph. Pharaoh had been used by God to promote Joseph to this very high position of ruler over all of Egypt. And this is a scene of Joseph saying to Jacob, Dad, I want you to meet Pharaoh, who God used to make me the ruler and to save all the lives of these people and to save all, uh, save our lives, save all the lives of the Egyptians. And so Joseph brings Jacob in to meet Pharaoh in this monumental time. And it's like, and, and it's like, uh, uh, it's like Joseph, you can picture it. Joseph is saying, Pharaoh, I'm so happy to present to you my father. 
And as soon as Pharaoh sees Jacob, he's in shock. And he's got just one question. Exactly, how old are you? <laughs> he says, I mean, what Pharaoh was saying to, to, to Jacob was, what happened to you? You look so old. And when Pharaoh asked Jacob how old he was, it was clear to, to Pharaoh that Jacob was, was, this is a man who's on his last legs. I mean, he looks so terrible. He looks like he couldn't live one day longer. So Pharaoh was just asking, asking him, what happened? And, 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 and Jacob then replies to Pharaoh in verse 9, Genesis 47, 9, Genesis 47, 9, where Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. What's he saying here? What Jacob is saying here is, Pharaoh, I'm only 130 years old and I know I look like I'm 230 years old. I know that. So let me explain to you what happened to me to make me look so worn out and ancient. First of all, my life has been a very long, hard pilgrimage. Let me explain about my life. First of all, I want to tell you that my life has been made up the days of the years of my pilgrimage, and those days have been few and evil. I say the days of the years of my pilgrimage. I say few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, Ben, because each day of my life, Pharaoh, was, has been a, such a great struggle that I asked myself the question, how can I ever make it through this day? How can I make it through this day? But I did make it through that day, just to face another day, just like it, just like to ask myself the very same question, how am I going to make it through the next day? And the next day, and the next day, till finally I got added up all these few and evil days that added up to 130 years of my life. And Joseph said that his fathers lived much longer than, than he had. As a matter of fact, Abraham, his grandfather, had lived 175 years before he died. Isaac, his father, had lived 180 years before he died. Actually, Pharaoh's wrong to think that he's going to die right there because he actually lives for another 17 years, and, and then he dies at the age of 147. But Jacob looked to Pharaoh like he could die the next day, and he's amazed. But then Jacob used one word to explain what his life had been all about and the lives of his grandfather Abraham, his father Isaac. It had all been about a pilgrimage. That's the word he uses, pilgrimage. Jacob was telling Pharaoh that his life and the life of his fathers, Abraham and Isaac, had a, it could have been a whole lot easier. Could have been a whole lot easier, and they could have taken not this heavy toll, but Jacob was telling Pharaoh that it was not that he and his fathers were not wealthy. They were rich. And, and, and therefore, they could have made for themselves very comfortable lives with great houses and lands and gardens and pools of water and so forth. And they could have just settled down in one place and said, ah, this is it, home sweet home. But that wasn't the case. That was not the case at all because he and his fathers, they lived lives of pilgrims and they were constantly on the move from place to place. As a matter of fact, with each new place that they moved to, Jacob and his father Isaac, they followed the search of their grandfather, Abraham. 
Abraham was on a hunt. Abraham was on a pursuit. He was on a search. He was looking every place he moved to. He was looking for, where is it? Where's that city? Where's that special city? It's got to be, maybe it's here, only to be disappointed. Move on to the next place. Where is it? And that whole search is described for us in Hebrews 11.8. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So Jacob was explained to Pharaoh that he and his father, his grandfather, all knew what they were looking for. Where's that city? That city that has real foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And each of them was promised the land of Canaan where they were living. But the land of Canaan was full of a lot of cities, but they were cities like Sodom, like Gomorrah, and cities of sin. So for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those cities were just strange to them. They didn't feel at home in them. They didn't feel comfortable in them. This is not my home. They felt that they could never settle down and call that their home. So they just kept moving on and, and living in tents. Maybe this is it. They look for a new city. No. Maybe this is the place that God has made where sin is abhorred, where righteousness is loved. Maybe it's here. And they never found that city on earth. They were in a search, but they never found it. So they lived as pilgrims in search of the city. And, 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 and all the way, they could have written the hymn, I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing, nothing satisfying there I found. See, until they finally, finally, they realized that the city that they were looking for was not going to be a city on earth. And they weren't going to find it there. And so this disappointment in their lives, God says, I see that disappointment, and I will not let it go on. And so in Hebrews eleven sixteen, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, it says, but now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. God prepared for them the city they were looking for. God made that city that they're looking for. It's in heaven. And there they would finally be satisfied. And they would say, this is the city of God that I've been looking for. The apostle John saw it. He described it in the second to last chapter, in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, in Revelation 21. In Revelation 21 too, John said, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And Jacob, he had not reached that city. He had not reached that holy city in heaven. And at this point, he looked terrible as a pilgrim in a sinful world. But there Jacob is. He's standing before Pharaoh. He's telling Pharaoh, I'm a pilgrim. And as he does that, as he does that, as Jacob does that, we look at Jacob and say, that's our man. That's our model. That's how we should live our lives. Jacob was unsatisfied with the world. We should be unsatisfied with the world. Jacob was troubled by a sinful world. So should we. We live in that so we can join Jacob on a pilgrimage 
looking for the city of God and not happy until we find it. And so in a sense, we live in tents. I know you're going to come to my house today and you're going to say, it doesn't look like he lives in a tent. <laughs> but that's the way it should be in our hearts. In a tent, because a tent, it expresses this inner dissatisfaction with this world, our refusal to settle down and call it our home, just like the world says. This world's not my home, I'm just passing through. And when we see Jacob there tell Pharaoh he's a pilgrim within, we want to say, so am I, so am I. Join, count, count, count me in, Jacob, me too. I'm a pilgrim like you. I just like a calling that, that, that first Peter 2.11 gave. First Peter 2.11, that's my calling. Dearly, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We say, just like Jacob, that's me, stranger, pilgrim on earth. Now, we can imagine how Pharaoh must have thought. Pharaoh must have looked at the guy and said, poor guy? I mean, Pharaoh's living in, a, in, in the palace of palaces in, in, in Egypt. And here's this guy, and he's looking at him and he said, poor guy, what a life of misery. And just as Pharaoh is thinking that, Jacob does something astounding in this next verse in Genesis 47.10. In Genesis 47.10, it says, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. We look at that and say, what? Did we read that right? Jacob blessed Pharaoh? How could Jacob bless Pharaoh? Because it says... In Hebrews 7.7 and Hebrews 7.7, that without all contradiction, the less is blessed by the better. That verse is telling us that the one who blesses is greater than the one who is blessed. So here we have Jacob blessing Pharaoh, which means that Pharaoh is less than Jacob, or Jacob is greater than Pharaoh. And when Jacob blesses Pharaoh, what is that statement that's being made? By blessing Pharaoh, Jacob is telling Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you shouldn't feel sorry for Jacob. You shouldn't feel sorry for me. Because as a poor pilgrim on his way to the holy city in in heaven, I'm a priest of God. Jacob's saying, I'm a priest of God, and I'm greater than Pharaoh. And so Jacob blesses Pharaoh. What a scene that is for us. What a scene that is for us of Jacob looking like he's been totally beat up in life standing there as over Pharaoh and blessing Pharaoh. Jacob realizes that Pharaoh might be Pharaoh of Egypt, but Jacob is a priest of God. As it says in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, which says, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Jacob realizes that Yes, I'm in really bad condition, bad physical condition. But he also sees Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh needs God. Pharaoh needs God. And I now, Jacob could say, I'm going to forget about myself and I'm going to bless Pharaoh. And here again, Jacob becomes our model and we should follow. Because it reminds me of of a man that I met in the lobby of the radiation department at UCSD Morris Cancer Center. When I was a cancer patient, I was there with the other cancer patients waiting as, I, as they were, as I was, to receive the radiation for cancer. There was this man, just caught him out of the corner of my eye. I said, what's he doing? Went up there, met him. His name was Mr. Nash. And what I remember so clearly was that the cancer on, his, on the right side of his face had 
just about destroyed the whole half of his face. He wore this thick white bandage over half of his face. And Mr. Nash told us how he had lost his wife to cancer and how he was alone in the waiting room there waiting to get another... What does this thing do that for? Anyway, he was there uh, waiting to get another dose of the radiation that was destroying his face. He told us that he had driven himself alone to the radiation unit. He would drive himself alone back home. So there he was, there he was, this man who should have been devastated, who should have been sitting in a corner. He should have been consumed with his own troubles and woes and worried about his future and what's going to happen to me. And what was he doing? He was walking around to each patient in the lobby there who was waiting to receive the radiation. And he was, he didn't say a word, but he just came up to each one and he gently just placed the gospel track next to each patient. Oh, just like Jacob. The man knew that, that, that it was in a terrible condition he was in, but he knew that he was a priest of God and that there were people there in that waiting room at Morris Cancer Center. They needed God. And he was focused not on his own cancer, not on his own trouble. He was focused on bringing them God. And face or no face, cancer or no cancer, nothing was going to stop Mr. Nash from giving his life to bringing the gospel to lost people. Just like we sang in the hymn earlier, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. That was Mr. Nash. And that was Jacob, a beat up life or not, ready to die or not, by blessing Pharaoh. Pharaoh was bringing God to, to Pharaoh. I mean, Jacob could have said, he could have taken the position, he could have said to Pharaoh, yes, Pharaoh, I'm not as fortunate as you are, and if you don't mind, I really do need to take a rest right now and retire, so can you bring the wheelchair and just push me out, then that'd be fine. But no, just like Mr. Nash, who clearly was the worst off patient of all those patients in the waiting room there, and, 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 and you know, he could have said, look, I don't know what cancer problems you have, but... You know, just look at me. Cancer has taken off half of my face and taken, is growing now to take away my life. It took away my wife. I've got no one here to bring me here, no one to take me home. Whatever cancer problems you have, mine are worse. So if you don't mind, I'll just sit here in the corner, wait for my radiation dose, and try to comfort myself in the last days I have on earth. He could have done that, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He consumed himself with the plight of those lost people dying without God, and he determined he was going to bring the gospel to the lost. Mr. Nash forgot about himself. He forgot about himself. The only thought he had was how horrible it was for a lost people around him to die in their sins without God's gift of salvation, to be cast into hell of eternal suffering and anguish. And so Mr. Nash decides to use his remaining strength, bring the gospel to the lost. Well, That's what we see here in Jacob. Jacob knew how terrible his condition was, but he said, just like Mr. Nash, this man, Pharaoh, he needs God, and that's me. I'm going to bring the God, I'm going to bring God to him. This is, this is Jacob as our example of what we should do when we're in the hospital and when we're on a bed of sickness. We should see our hospital stay as being sent there by God as a royal priest into the hospital to reach lost people at the gospel and people in the hospital should be blessed by us as they were as Jacob was blessing Pharaoh 
I mean, I remember when I was in the hospital and I was weakened and I was in pain with the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer and a, and a healthy male nurse came into the room there and he was lost and, and I brought him the gospel and then I said to him one time, I said, I've got a question for you. Here I am, my body is devastated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and here you are, you're healthy, you're in great physical shape, but I'm a child of God on my way to heaven. You can't say that. So the question I have for you today is, which one of us is really in worse shape? And Jacob was in worse physical shape, clearly, than Pharaoh, but he much better spiritual shape than Pharaoh was. So Jacob blesses Pharaoh. So Jacob standing before Pharaoh in his horrible condition, he had a priest of God. It reminds us of Paul. Paul, he's a prisoner before the Roman ruler Agrippa, and he says to King Agrippa, in uh, the, the, the history is given to us in Acts 26, 28, Acts 26, 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. So from this scene, Jacob blessing Pharaoh, we, we can say to Jacob, thank you, Jacob, for showing me the example I need to be of a man who forgets about himself and gives himself to be concerned about others. So uh, it reminds me of, of uh, last night. I, I had to call the bank in, in, uh, in Israel to set, up a, uh, to set up a bank account there. You know, nowadays, the banks don't just set up accounts for people. they got to make sure your name is not El Chapo. And so a lot of que- some questions, who are you, and so forth. And I thought, you know, I gotta finish my, I've got to finish my lesson. i got to finish my lesson. But I knew God had called me, and so spent over an hour with that man in, in, uh, in Israel there telling him how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just forgot about it. And then God helped me through the rest of the night. So that was, praise the Lord. But to the surprise of all, Jacob lives, goes on and lives in the land for another 17 years until, like I said, he's 117 years old. But he has this great concern. Jacob has a great concern. And he calls for Joseph. And Joseph comes, and we read what happened in Genesis 47, 29. Genesis 47, 29, where we read, The time drew near that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So finally the time has come. In verse 29, Genesis 47, 29, 47, 29. The time drew near that Israel must die. Jacob knew that, so Jacob calls for his son, Joseph. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, would like to invite you to celebrate Good Friday on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. Enjoy an evening of an in-depth Bible teaching from Tom Cantor, followed by a communion service on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Then join Tom in the Friendship with God Fellowship Sunday, April 1st at 5.30 p.m. for a special Easter Passover message. You are also invited to a Passover Seder dinner with Tom Cantor, Saturday, April 7th. The cost of the Passover meal is only $20. Enjoy great DZ Aikens food, fellowship, and a memorable Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. The Friendship with God Fellowship Church is located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, next to the Highway 67 and the Santee Drive-In. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.